Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, the, the last signing period of, of the 22 uh, recruiting class, and we feel like we uh, made some really good progress. From the first class, we signed 22 players in the first class that were obviously very significant impact players, we believe, that are going to be really good for our program moving forward. Um, you know, this signing class today, we technically, uh, on paper, we have three new additions uh, in terms that signed today, um, and those are as follows. We have Alex Harkey, who's an offensive lineman, a junior college offensive lineman from Tyler uh, Community College. Uh, excited about what he can provide for us with some depth and obviously some potential to play and be an impactful player for us up front. Uh, so excited about him being part of our program. We also have uh, a freshman uh, that will come in this summer uh, as well uh, with Van Wells, who's an offensive lineman uh, from Houston area, Texas King High School. Um, very, very dynamic player. Reminds me a lot of uh, a player we've had here in the past years ago, and Andre Gerard, uh, really good player for us. That's from the same area in Houston. Um, he's, he'll play center for us. He'll be here this summer. We feel really good about uh, the additions of both those guys in our offensive line. And then uh, we have we picked up a safety from uh, East Mississippi uh, Community College, Jeremy Mack. Uh, very dynamic player. Very versatile player. Uh, Really like what his skill set provides for us in the defensive backfield uh, for us in the future. Here's a guy that probably has uh, footwork of a, of a corner, but he plays the safety position and a very instinctual player, kind of a ball hawk, great tackler, uh, good young player. We feel that's going to be uh, an impactful player as well uh, in this class. Um, we do have a guy that's a, a grad transfer that's not here. He'll be here in the at the end of spring as well. Uh, a running back, um, Ramon Jefferson from Sam Houston State. Really excited about him being part of this uh, class too. It's actually a part of the class, but he's, he's in the, from the portal standpoint. Um, but he's going to be a great addition to give us some depth and experience in our, in our running back area too. So um, those, those four guys are are kind of the newer additions since uh, the 22 that we signed uh, in December. Uh, we feel like they're going to be impactful players for us, going to be able to help us continue to make those steps of improvement and getting our team to play at a, uh, at a much higher level than this year. And obviously, we've made an, a number of changes on our staff. Um, you'll get a chance to visit with all of those guys a little bit later. Uh, so there's some great energy and, and excitement about us moving forward. Um, I know the staff that's here are really excited to, to work with our players. They've worked tirelessly uh, over the recruiting process when they were hired and then going out on the road uh, in a quick, uh, quick fashion in terms of the timing of them being hired and then getting out on the road quickly. And, you know, we've made some impactful uh, additions in our program that we think are going to be, uh, you know, pretty evident that you'll see in the fall. Um, Really like where the team is right now. The offseason is going really well. Uh, they're working hard. Uh, there's some great camaraderie that's going on. I think all of these players that we've added, even some prior to, you know, in between the signing class of 22 and some other guys that we picked up in between uh, who are already on campus, uh, they've done a nice job of 
uh, adapting into our situation, uh, are well-liked, well-thought-of, uh, have been impactful already in terms of uh, what they've done so far uh, in the off-season. So we're, uh, we're excited. We're excited about the future of, of this year. And, you know, I know our, our coaches are excited to get going uh, with some, some football school, and, and that's going to lead into spring practice. So there's a lot of uh, great energy that's in our building right now. So um, I know we have one other addition that I'm not able to talk about right now because he's, he's not technically signed. He's a, a gray shirt candidate, uh, a kid that I can't mention at this point, but I think you guys all know who I'm talking about, and we think he's going to be uh, a really, really dynamic player for us too. Um, and uh, we, we feel like uh, the additions we made uh, in this program are, are – in a lot of ways, uh, I think uh, probably a little bit more of an upgrade from from things that have, that we've that we've had in terms of attrition standpoint. So we feel really good about us moving forward with uh, the, the players that we have, and the energy's great. Everybody's ready to work, and and uh, we're off on the 22 season. So I'd like to open up now for some some questions that you might have. Thanks, Coach. We'll do questions in here before we kick over to the Zoom. So, any questions? Coach, wanted to ask you about a couple other players you've added since the last time we talked to you. Tommy Brown played, started a game at Alabama last year. R.J. Sneed led Baylor in receiving a couple years ago. A couple years ago, I was wondering if you could talk about each of those guys. Yeah, those are great additions. Those are those two that that kind of came in between the 22 class and in between the, the signings of today. Uh, we feel really strongly about the depth of our offensive line. You know, we needed some help there. We wanted some experience. Um, we feel that uh, Tommy's going to be able to provide some really quality uh, depth for us and, you know, maybe even impact us as a starter if he gets a chance to get in there at any of the positions that he's uh, going to com- be competitive with. He's played uh, – he was he's a natural-born tackle but played guard a lot for – for Alabama, you know, he, we're going to play him in both those spots this spring and, and get him a, a role to play, you know, that will impact us in the fall. But he's going to be a great addition for us up front with some experience. And, uh, and he's, he's ready to do some really, really good things for us. R.J. Sneed, very similarly, uh, we think he's going to impact us. Uh, obviously, he's already impacted us. He's already here in training. Uh, he's acclimated uh, really quickly to the team. Uh, He's already well liked and you know well thought of in terms of the the team that's that's been here. Uh, he does provide a lot of experience for us of a guy that's had some production, um, and he he's uh, he's excited about you know his new opportunity that he has here too. So both those guys are here. They're training. They're they're within the team. They're doing really good things. So uh, we feel that those two are going to be really really good players for us in 22. Or looking at last year's class, you had a number of guys that came in here and contributed early. Uh, defensive, defensive back, wide receiver, to name a couple positions. Looking at, at this class, out of the 30 guys that you signed, whether from high school or JUCO or the transfer portal, 12 of them are now here enrolled with the team currently. Do you feel like this class, there, there's a parallel with, with last class in the sense of you have a number of guys you feel like can, are here now and, and can contribute early looking ahead to this upcoming season? Absolutely. Absolutely, Justin. I, I, we do feel that these guys that we, we in really the entirety of the classes, the entirety of the group that we brought in, a lot of them, uh, a great majority of them we feel can impact us this year. 
you know, much like those freshmen that played this past season and did some really positive things for us. You know, you mentioned in the secondary, you know, with Nico Reeds and things like that. So we're, we're really excited about this group. We think that they have the potential to impact us and get on the field in, in such a short, uh, uh, you know, in sh- such a short order, to be honest with you. So uh, they're very talented. Um, they're young. Um, I think our staff knows that. You know, it's really important that uh, with the 12 that are here, that are currently uh, been added to our roster this spring semester, they're going to have a great opportunity to kind of grow within our systems offensively and defensively and in our special teams and, and really to make some positive strides in the spring practice sessions and, and over the summer. So we think a lot of this, this, this group has a chance to help us, you know, next fall. You, you mentioned the energy and, and talking to some of these uh, these new guys you're talking about here. Uh, you know, Jeremy Mack was telling me how grateful he is for this opportunity. Ramon Jefferson, you know, the same type of deal. He just he can't wait to get to work and just try to fit in. You mentioned the coaches. Um, how much do you think energy, a jolt of energy, was really needed in this program after this last year? I mean, I feel like the fans needed it. <laughs> do you feel like you needed it in this in this building? Oh, we we all needed it. You know, it wasn't a great season last year. We all know that. Um, you know, I did like how our team finished the year by playing hard and, you know, being competitive. But, you know, obviously the body of work was, was substandard to what we're looking for. So, you know, thank goodness 2022 is a new season, a new year, it's a new outlook. There's new faces in the coaching staff, new faces on this football team. You know, the team that's, that was here last year and that's still here now, they're, they're, they have a renewed sense of energy about, you know, the additions that are coming on board, the new coaches that are here to, the, to move us forward. So there is kind of a, a wiping of the slate, sort of, so to speak, and starting fresh and, and, and getting into our football and really learning the game and, and per, you know, developing themselves in the off-season pre- uh, training program with Shannon Turley. So there's, there is a lot of uh, anticipation and excitement within the team and the coaches about getting started in 22. Kind of building off that, when there were a bunch of transfers, Chase Penry put out a tweet about how he's still proud to be a Buff, and a lot of your players kind of rallied around that. Was it almost kind of a circle of wagons type of deal? And did it give you a sense of you know who's who's really bought into your program? It definitely gives you a sense of that 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 the guys that are here because they're committed, they're they're determined. They, they there's a sense of loyalty. There's an allegiance to the school, things like that. So there's definitely a a stronger fashion of those guys that are here. The great majority that that did stay. Um, they're they're inspired, you know. They're inspired to to do great things and to prove a lot of people wrong, and you know, particularly people outside the building. and And they're excited about the new coaches. You know, that's the other part too. There, um, you know, there was a lot to build off of last year, even though it didn't have a lot of wins last year. We we did feel like we got better in a lot of respects. So they're going to build off of those things. We're still going to you know reach back and recap the. You know the the season last year because we have to we have to f- address things and fix things and 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 move ourselves forward. But but for the most part they're 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 ready to go. You know they're ready to kind of get started in 22. And uh, the training has been absolutely outstanding. You know absolutely outstanding. So that I've been around the last couple of weeks watching the guys lift and run and train and do things on their own and doing the extra work. All that stuff that they've been doing. There is definitely a, a different uh, feeling in the building about moving forward and having a sense of urgency and having some success. So it, it is being kind of manifested in all areas right now, 
you know, in and around our program, and it's a great feeling. Uh, Coach, you mentioned Nico Reed. Are there any other underclassmen who left an impression on you at the end of last season who you think can fill some starting roles or even leadership roles? Well, a lot of those guys, you know, Nico Reese, Tyron Taylors, um, you know, we had a couple guys that redshirted the first year and played really well. Devin Grant, I thought, played his uh, an outstanding game against Utah the last game of the season where he made some really significant plays. So there's some young, there's a young underbelly of this team that, you know, with their roles that they've had last year and, and seeing the progress that they've made and, and, and they had some production to go along with it. So there's, there's definitely a feeling of those guys feeling like, wow, you know, if I can only do this or get this much bigger, or get this much stronger or really work on my technique a little bit better or, you know, learn the defense better or the offense better. There's a number of young players that feel that, uh, that they're on the right path to really having a strong year this year. You know, Jake Wiley, for example, for, you know, he started 12 games as a, as a freshman tackle for his left tackle. That's a, that's a tough job for a freshman to do, and obviously it wasn't a pretty season for him, and he knows that, but there were some times in, the, in, in moments in the, in the season last year where he did some very, very productive things, and, and he feels confident, has been working his tail off, and his body's changing. And, you know, so you're seeing a lot of those young players, they're starting to get physically developed now. And, and I think that physical development will add confidence to, to their experience that they had a year ago. And, and then we're going to continue the same process with the new people coming in that, that can help us and, and get on the field and create great depth for us and competition at positions. And so there's, there's definitely a, uh, you know, an uptick of energy and, and excitement that's going on right now. Carl, I know what it was like for a lot of fans to see some of your top players from last year you know, sign with teams you're going to play this year, you know, teams in your conference. What was it like for you to see those guys sign with USC, Oregon, TCU? Well, it, it was, you know, anytime you lose players, you know, that, that, that leave your program, you're, you're not excited about, you know, why those decisions have been made. But, but that's part of the world that we're in now in terms of recruiting and NIL and transfer portal, uh, transfer portal. I mean, that's just a new process that we're all dealing with across the country at every program. And, you know, so there's always a, the initial shock of disappointment when that happens. But I do feel like, uh, you know, it, it did give us a chance to, to, like you said, regroup and reorganize ourselves and you know, decide on who's, who's really excited about being here and, and believe in the process of what we're doing here. So things like that are really, really, uh, I say, outweigh the negatives. Um, but I do wish all of those players well. I, I hope that they, they got what they uh, were looking for and, and to, to help them in their careers and their own respective uh, goals that they've had for themselves. But, you know, right now we're moving forward with, with what's in our building and then what's coming in the summer. And, and uh, like I said, there's, there's a really good feeling that's within this team that I haven't felt in my two years prior. Coach, you mentioned on the, the Pac-12 network earlier this morning just about the, the inevitable uh, attrition that, that is going to hit your program and, and other programs across the country at the end of a spring ball and maybe having a couple uh, extra scholarships in your pocket as you see how things play out towards the end of spring. While you definitely brought in some reinforcements at multiple position groups uh, here and now, as you look up and down the roster, and I, I know it will take some time to play out, but where are some other position groups that that, that do need uh, reinforcements or, or bolstered by the time things are all said and done? We, we feel that, you know, we're still, we would like to 
you know, with a handful of numbers that we still have left, you know, picking up an extra offensive lineman or an extra defensive lineman, um, we may try to get an extra running back, you know, at some point in time. Um, so it's, it's, it's those areas where, you know, there's certain positions that you're, you know, like, for example, at the defensive back position, we have 15 scholarship for the safeties and corners. And, you know, so we might have 14 right now. So we might want to pick up another piece there that either at the safety or corner spot. So we just want to try to get all of our positions and the scholarships allotments at those positions up to speed for us, you know, to, to get it to 85 by the end of summer before we get to training camp and, you know, start your season process. So, you know, the, we have to be fluid. I would say, Justin, we got to be fluid with, with how things are in terms of what the, the climate is out there. Um, you know, the portal is going to be around. I mean, that's kind of the new process. It's definitely going to be around. And, and I know a lot of programs are, are, are really looking into the portal to kind of shore up a lot of needs in their respective programs. We're the same, like, like many. Uh, so we're going to have, you know, three or four that we, we feel that maybe we can add in, you know, prior to the summer work that can, can bolster some of the positions that might meet another scholarship or two. All right, Coach, that's it for the room. We have a couple on the Zoom. Dave, any questions from the Zoom? Oh, yes, we do. So uh, if you have a question for Coach, just put your name in the chat. Sean, I interview where you came on, so you don't need to raise your hand. First up is Aaron Christensen, KCNZ. Hey, Carl. Um, another question just about some of those transfers and what it means for your program moving forward. Um, when guys like that the five or six starters who left your program do leave. Does that cause you as a coach to maybe investigate why? Does it cause you to do some soul searching? And what conclusions have you come to to maybe ensure that that doesn't happen in future years? I think what we have to do um, moving forward, and, you know, we realized, you know, in the December, January standpoint, um, you know, all of their reasons for, you know, when you do lose players and potentially starters, you know, all of their their explanations or reasons are different. They're never the same. Um, and so, but I know that it's going to be important that we, we have great communication and great feedback uh, from coaches and players alike to make sure that we, we understand the progress of a young player, um, that we give him great instruction about, you know, what he needs to do in, his, in, the, near, in the near future to continue to improve. Um, you know, so I would say the things that I think from, from what I've understood is that, you know, I went out uh, recruiting right after the season and, and probably I look back at it hindsight wise, it, it might not have been the most uh, appropriate thing to do. I probably should have had some interviewing process right after the season just to kind of check in with all of our players and get some discussions about, you know, uh, how their, their, their uh, experience has been, uh, where they need to go from here, things of that nature. And, and, and that's probably something I think all of the coaches just talk with other head coaches across the country is that we have to make sure we get, we're pretty much in lockstep with our current players, even though we're in a recruiting process for adding additional ones, you know, along the way. But I think the communication piece needs to improve. And we'll continue to work on those things uh, so that we're all on the same page in case there is a uh, someone that is disappointed or someone that, you know, is thinking about, you know, going into the portal. Maybe we get a chance to visit about that that particular player and, and maybe get a solution done prior to him actually entering the portal. So there's a lot of things to learn from that for sure. Thank you. You said you had a quick follow-up. 
You're on, you're on mute, Eric. You're still on mute, Eric. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to Eric later. Let's go to Jacob Toby in Channel 9. Gosh, <laughs> um, how do you look at that situation you know, with the transfers? Uh, an opportunity for the young guys, right? Uh, a, a lot of younger talent's going to be getting more opportunities, right? How, how do you look at that situation? I, I'm excited about that situation. You know, we, we feel that the younger talent that we've added and you know that are going to be joining our program we feel like we're getting better and better in terms of the belly of that talent from a from a, a quality standpoint so a lot of those players uh, will be uh, uh, we think impactful players for us to help us this fall um, that's one of the you know I, I guess the enticements of why they decided to come to our place is that they see an opportunity to play and to contribute and to uh, you know, a lot of these guys are very confident that they can help uh, a team win. So, you know, a lot of those young players, just like we've had uh, the handful of young players last year that helped us and did some significant things, you know, I would say a lot of this class feels the same way. And, and probably the nature of recruiting is uh, you know, right now with, with all the different elements of transfer portal and junior college, high school, and, you know, the things that, that you were dealing with, you know, these guys are looking for opportunities to play. So a lot of them feel very strongly about their own skill sets and how they can come and impact us. And, and uh, we're going to coach them up and, and, and create a great level of competition at every position group. And, and, and usually the cream rises to the top, whether you're young, old, it doesn't really matter. We're going to call, we're going to play the best players that we think can help us be successful. So I think that their mindset coming in here is to get themselves ready to play and, and to, to measure themselves up to, to helping us right away. So that's a good feeling, and I want all of our players to feel that way, and even our current players to know that, hey, there's guys coming in. We have to continue to get better. We've got to continue to, you know, if there are some guys that are returning starters, that doesn't mean that that's necessarily set in stone. They're going to have to compete, you know, and play and, and, and actually prove to their teammates why they should be the returning starter. So that keeps everybody in that competitive mode about getting better and, and developing uh, year in and year out. Okay, Sean uh, Keeler, Denver Post. Hey, Carl, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if my math is wrong on this, but I think this is the highest rated class CU has ever signed in the Pac-12. Now, I, you know, like you said, those are from people outside the building that say that stuff, but that's got to be something you can hang your hat on. And, and how did you get that done with all those moving parts? One, uh, and, and how excited are you, as like you said, about developing that, taking that next step moving forward? And I've got a quick follow-up, Dave, if I could. Okay. Thanks for asking, Sean. I'm, 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 I'm very excited about the future. I really am. Uh, I do feel... Uh, that we're bringing more quality into the program. I do feel that way. Um, we're, we're, and that's not to take any punches or slights on anyone prior to me, but I do feel that we are, we're making great progress with the, the quality that's coming in. I think our coaching staff is the, is, is the best that I've had since I've been here. I'm excited about uh, the additions from that standpoint, and they're excited about you know, what's on our roster and what's coming you know, coming in later in the summer. So there is a, uh, some excitement on both sides of this thing from a player perspective and from coaches. So 
we feel good about our efforts in recruiting of the guys that I hired. Like I said earlier, they they were hired, they signed their contracts, and they went on the road. <laughs> and uh, and we, we were able to get some really good quality pieces. Uh, so there's there is a level of excitement from from really all facets right now, Sean. So. You know, the bottom line, we got to develop them. Um, you know, it starts with that off-season training that we're dealing with right, right now with our team, and then the coaching them from a from a football knowledge and perspective, and developing them on the field. And we have very good coaches that can do that. So, uh, I would say we're we're feeling like we're heading in the right direction for sure. Don, you had a quick follow. Yeah, real quick follow-up, Dave. No, there. Uh, there's a new influencer program at CU. Mm -hmm. Uh, beneficial could that be from an NIL standpoint for you guys? And what kind of frustrations did you feel, if any, with this first year of NIL? That's been kind of a sore subject, I know, with some administrators and how that was interpreted. Well, the bottom line, though, Sean, we, 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 we made a, I think our, our, our school responded very favorably, you know, to the, to the climate that's out there in, in college uh, athletics, particularly with football and portal and, and, and NIL, all that stuff. So I, I'm, I'm excited about the new, uh, you know, we have a new influencer exchange program, which is an NIL platform for uh, some of our former alums or donors, boosters, or just great supporters of the program that they can get involved intimately with, their, with the student athletes that they're interested in helping with. Uh, from an NIL perspective, and there's, I think, a lot of excitement that's on our team right now about this new platform and reaching out and, you know, getting a chance to uh, create some business opportunities for them, not only here while they're here at CU, but uh, I'm hopeful that these, these opportunities develop into long-term things beyond CU when they're past their college years and, and they're doing some positive things from a career perspective. So, I think it's really, really big that our schools stepped up in, in, in a short period of time to get this program started, and we've had great response from a number of uh, donors and boosters about wanting to get involved. And you know, ever since this whole marketplace of, has started with in college athletics, you know, a lot of people have asked me months ago about how can how can we get involved or how can we help. And now there's, there's those avenues to, that, that are actually in place for them to help. So there's a great deal of excitement from the people outside the building that are helping our programs. And obviously inside the building, we felt like we're, we're being competitive, which is what we need to be in this type of market. I got three more for you here on Zoom. Then we'll let you go, Coach. First up, Chase Howe, Denver. Hi, Coach. Congrats on a great finish to the recruiting class. I was wondering, with Brian Flores filing the lawsuit yesterday, do you remember any discussions with Brian about ownership and their desire for a higher draft pick during that 2019 season, or really any ownership hurdles in general during your NFL, your time in the NFL? You know, that's a great question. Obviously, that's a really hot topic right now in, in the league, and, and it's a really it's a strong topic that, that needs to be addressed. Um, but I would say in that 19 season when I was with uh, Coach Flores in, in Miami, you know, there was no discussion about taking ga uh, tanking games or at least that he wasn't expressing those things with the staff. You know, we were all working our tails off to try to find wins. And, and we knew that the roster changed and, you know, it was a new roster and uh, we knew that we were up against it. But I think the competitive nature of the game as coaches and players 
we're, we're going to fight and scratch and try to find ways to win. And, and that's how Brian was built, too, uh, in that process, I remember, is that we, we felt like we finished the season playing strong, strongly uh, that year. You know, we beat New England uh, the last game of the year up there at their place, and, and it was a big win for us to kind of, you know, put them out of getting a bye, and they had to play that next week in, in the playoffs that year. But, you know, there was, there was some satisfaction on our side of just developing those young players and competing and winning so you can finish the season on a positive note. So, um, but all the other dynamics that, that he's expressed, you know, I'm sure that are there uh, and that it's true. Uh, I've felt those things even from time to time when as an assistant at other places in the, in the NFL. So um, it's one of those things that it's an issue that needs to be addressed and it needs to be um, have a have a, a viable solution to to create a, a, a level of, of of balance, you know, for those opportunities to whether to be a head coach or a coordinator or, or what have you. Um, but I would say, just answering your question, you know, there was no talk among the staff about about not trying to win games. You know, we were trying to, as a staff, to to win every game and to battle and to compete and develop. And and I'm sure that's that's really the coaching model for anything that that we do, regardless of what uh, the circumstances are. Okay, let's go to Nikki Edwards with the bold. Can't hear you, Nikki. Can you hear me? Okay. That's better. Okay, is that better? Um, question about um, Coach Stanford. Um, I'm curious about the interview process. You spoke about how it's familiarity with the coaching experience and potential coordinator, but is he at the top of your list? Can you elaborate more on what he provides to the program recruiting and overall coaching staff? I don't know if I heard everything there <laughs> uh, in terms of your question, but you know, Coach Sanford, the reason why uh, I was really uh, interested in getting him here is that it really was his, his body of work and his resume. Um, you know, he's been in a number of systems. You know, he's coached a number of positions in his career. Uh, he's coached quarterbacks and he's, been a, he's a former quarterback. And I think the biggest thing that I drew from that experience and looking at his body of work was that he's developed all types of quarterbacks. You know, it, there's some people that say there's, you know, there's the dual threat quarterbacks, there's the typical pro style quarterbacks, and there's some that are hybrids in between. Um, I would say that all of those types of quarterbacks in his experience, you know, I felt like he's maximized their skill set. And they've had productive years and have had, you know, opportunities to play at the next level. So I think that was a more intriguing thing to me, along with his knowledge and experience and systems of offense that that I'm very familiar with. But, you know, in today's game of football at this level, uh, you have to have a coach that can quarter that can coach the quarterback and, and really get the max out of that skill set. And I think that's what I was really, really impressed with. With, with Coach Sanford and, and his experience is that he's gotten the most out of those players. And, um, and we needed that, you know, I, I, I felt uh, that type of coach leading our offense here in 2022. And last one is from the New Mexico kid, Neil Well. Hey, 
Hey, Carl, just real quickly, you addressed this a little bit, but given the change of climate with NIL, transfer portal, and all those things, is the environment of, of roster management a year-round job now? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the portal, if you think about it, um, and I might be wrong here, but the portal, it, it really begins from July 1st to May 1st. That's a long period of time <laughs> to, to be able to enter into the portal. So if that's almost a year, if you think about it, you're just short a few months, it, it does make the recruiting process be pretty constant, pretty fluid, you know, through the course of, your, you know, of, the, of a calendar academic year. Um, you know, the, the roster management is going to start with really, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Neil, I, I have to make sure I'm in really good contact with the players within our program, you know, and making sure that those needs are met. In addition to the recruiting of high school players that are always the backbone of how we develop and build our program is through the high school uh, um, level. And then there's, you know, the, the portal is for those, those needs that you've, that you've lost, you know, in terms of where you want some quality depth and you want guys that have experienced the play, you know, you, you want to address those needs to kind of shore up some of the gaps that you might have as well. And then in addition to the portal, you know, the junior colleges are somewhat being disregarded, you know, because of the other elements of recruiting. But we, we try to, to look at all different facets of uh, of those those typical, you know, whether it's high school or portal or junior college, you know, we're, we're going to constantly kind of evaluate that all of those processes through really through a calendar year. So in answering your question, it's going to be a year round deal. And I mean, recruiting was already year round, even when we we're recruiting a high school level. But I, I believe now because of the portal and, and when those opportunities come and go, you know, we have to be ready to to make the adjustments when when needed. Thanks, Coach. Carl. Thank you. Thank you. Coach Sam, we kept you over the allotted time, but you were just too good. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Next Carl. up is offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach Mike Sanford. All right, Coach Sanford's here. We'll go back to in the room, and then we'll kick it back to Dave for the Zoom. Coach, do you have anything you want to say off the top? Uh, no, just open up for questions. All right, here we go. Excited to be here. Hey, Coach. Uh, Brian Howard. Mm -hmm. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Brian. Just kind of talk about the process of uh, you know, how you, you know, wound up here in Boulder and just kind of the hiring process from your end of it. Well, uh, for me at least, the, uh, the, the process started um, when, we, when we played here um, in September. And, uh, and you know, I'd, I'd been in Minnesota for, for a year and a half and you know, obviously I'm originally from the West Coast, been in the Pac-12 and Mountain West Conference for a long time. But um, we were out there in early, early warm-ups, um, about – three hours before the game we got to the stadium really early it was 11 o'clock kick I believe maybe a noon kick but um, I had a chance to be out in that sun and see that stadium and see the west coast be out in that um, you know be, be out in that environment and, and you know I actually shared with a couple of the, the GAs I'm like man I'm, I'm not going back into that locker room right now because it is nice out here um, and uh, and then I had a chance to see a lot of the people on the other sideline um, you know Shannon Turley um, you know guy that I'd worked with at, at Stanford and, and seen a program completely transformed from a one and eleven season in two thousand and six, I believe, um, to you know winning multiple back to back New Year's Six bowl games. Um, 
you know, and then Brian Cabral, um, guy that I've known for literally 37 years um, since my dad and he worked together at Purdue back in the in early mid 80s. Um, and somebody that I've been very close to for a long period of time. And, uh, and then Coach Durrell. You know, I got to know uh, Coach Durrell through the recruitment of Chandler um, at Stanford. I was a recruiting coordinator. And I remember uh, my wife and I picked up uh, Coach Durrell from, uh, I think it was from the hotel during an official visit. And that's kind of where our relationship began. Um, so I just had a lot of respect for him, um, for how he uh, goes about his business. And most importantly, for just to be in a place that is a great fit um, for me, that I felt like I was a great for that great fit for that place but also that that was a great fit for me um, and, and really it all comes down to people um, and that's how I feel everything is about people and you're going to have the success or the failure uh, if, the, if, the, if there's alignment with the people um, and so then the process uh, you know escalated um, really the same day um, that the coach made a change on the offense side of the ball um, you know I immediately reached out to him and um, through you know through other people and uh, I'm sure he was uh, he was probably annoyed by the amount of people that were in the building that that I, that knew me um, that that talked about you know my background and, and having seen what I was capable of doing as a coach and a quarterback coach and recruiting um, and then we we had a uh, multiple Zoom interviews uh, multiple phone calls um, in person interview. Um, came out here a couple times, and uh, it was a very thorough process. And um, it was an interview, obviously, that I wanted to get the job, but it was an interview that I also wanted to make sure that, that Coach Durrell felt really good about the alignment offensively, that, that the vision was for me and him. And then I wanted to feel really good about that alignment too. Um, you know, a lot of times everybody just wants jobs and want to go to places. Um, I wanted to go work for a head coach that, that saw uh, a philosophy offensively that, that, I, that I shared. Um, and that's exactly what we had. And I think that's the most important thing is that if we're if we're all moving in the right direction together and the leadership of this program and coach Durrell um, and what I see you know and then the staff that we put together as an offensive unit if we're all moving in the right direction the players are going to feel that and if the players feel that and they sense that energy and they sense that synergy uh, as a staff then we're going to take off and do what I know we're capable of doing in this program that's winning a Pac-12 championship. Hey, Coach, Justin Guerrero with Steve Sports Nation. Good to meet you. Welcome to Boulder. Now that you've uh, had a couple weeks to get settled here in Boulder, I'm curious just uh, how have you gone about just evaluating this roster, the, the staff, that's uh, the, uh, the talent, rather, that's going to be at your disposal for the 2022 season? And as you've gone through that, those evaluations, what are your expectations for this offense that you're going to implement? And and uh, just what it can achieve in, in your first year? Yeah, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and it all starts with the film, right? The film's the resume for each one of these players. But um, as, the, as we know with, with college football, the transient nature of college football period, right, with, with the transfer portal and everything that's happening, um, you know, the film is said a lot. Um, but that's not the only piece of the evaluation. Um, I want to trust my eyes and our offensive staff's eyes um, for what we do from now you know, when we start, you know, workouts in the offseason, which we've really been doing for a couple weeks, uh, into football school and, and to see how they learn, to see what type of commitment each one of these players has to, to the process of learning, um, and then really spring football. Um, you know, that's a, great, that's a great thing about having a, a new start is there's going to be a great opportunity for a lot of these players on this roster to make a great first impression. Um, you know, so some of it's out there on the film, um, but also the, these players weren't running the system that we're going to run. 
Um, they're not taught the way that we're going to necessarily teach them um, because there are going to be new nuances to this system. Um, so there's going to be players that, that maybe, you know, didn't have a big role last year that are on this roster, that were on this roster. Um, they're going to be a tremendous fit for what we're going to do going forward. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a great opportunity for these players. It's an exciting time for guys on this roster to go compete for opportunities to play. Um, and that's going to be an ongoing evaluation process from now um, all the way through our first game and through the season. Kind of building off that, Adam Lester Tiger from 24-7 Sports. When a CU fan turns on the TV on a Saturday afternoon, what, what do you want to stand out to them about your offense? Is there a certain identity you want your offense to have? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of the CU fans want to know if we're going to run the ball 70% of the time or not. Um, and here's the answer. That's not going to be the case. Uh, we want to be very, very balanced. Um, the, I think the perfect example of, of, of offensive identity that I believe in um, is is – my, my first time as a coordinator was at Boise State in 2014. Um, obviously, that's a place that formed who I was offensively. Um, I played at Boise State, um, played under Chris Peterson. Um, you know, obviously a guy that I had tremendous respect for, and that system was really kind of uh, erected by Chris Peterson. Um, but also, uh, it was influenced by my, my time at Stanford and what we were accomplished, you know, winning the trenches at Stanford. So it was very balanced. Um, it, was, it was a year in which the, the pass game and the run game was, was really on par with each other, both statistically, um, how much we called each, each one of them. Um, but there, are, there is going to be an identity of physicality. Um, and that doesn't mean that we are only going to run the football. Physicality exists in, in the throwing game as well. Um, we're going to make sure that um, we have an identity as, as, a, as a program that we want to build a bully here, you know, a, bill, a bully on the field, right, uh, a bully in the weight room. Um, and then when we're off the field, we're going to be gentlemen, obviously. But uh, on the field, we want to be, we want to be a bully, um, you know, and that's, that's when the ball's in the air in the pass game. I want to be a bully. I want to come down with that football. Um, when the quarterback's in the pocket, I want, to be, I want to show my toughness and my physicality by taking a shot um, with, when I'm under duress and delivering a ball down the field. Um, so the, I think the, the identity of it is going to be physicality, and that's going to be multi-tiered. Um, but the bottom line is, is run, pass, um, all the different things that we want to do. Whatever we need, do, need to do to win that particular game based off of what the defense gives us and also based off of what our personnel is going to give us the best advantage, we're going to do that. And that, if that means that we, we're going to throw the ball 50, 60 times in a game, and we have to to win that football game, we're going to do that. Um, if we need to run the football 40 to 50 times in that game, we're going to do that to win that football game. But really, ultimately, all championship football teams, it's, it never comes down to statistics. It comes down to finding a way to win the football game and what that exact formula is. And it does involve being the most physical team on the field that day. Coach, Taylor Kramer, Taylor Kramer with the ball. Uh, with the additions of Ramon Jefferson and Anthony Hankerson to a room that already has Alex Fontenot and Deion Smith, uh, we have a bunch of different running backs in the room uh, that have different running styles. Absolutely. Is versatility in the run game and the use of different running backs something that you will look to utilize in the fall? Yeah. There's one guy we can't talk about. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think just, just speaking generally, uh, the running back position, I, I don't believe that that position should ever be you have to be this height, you have to be this weight, and frankly you have to have this exact, um, you know, 40 time and, and measurables uh, from, a, from a tangible standpoint. Um, you know, I, I look at the running back, you know, that we had the last couple of years at Minnesota. Um, he's probably not going to touch any of those measurables um, in terms of what you're looking for you know height speed all that and he's one of the best if not one of the if not the best running back in all of college football um, but then 
I, I, you know, I was at Boise State with a guy like Jay Ajayi, who, who really hit a lot of those measurables. He was a taller back. Um, he was not as compact. Um, he, was a, he, was a, he was a weapon in the pass game and, and receiving the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, we're going to utilize our personnel. Um, that's the bottom line. It's not going to be a cookie-cutter offensive system that we just say, hey, you, you've just got to be in this position. We're going to run the same plays over and over. And if you fit in, great. If you don't, you don't. We're going we're gonna to customize it and tailor it as we get to know our personnel better um, to be able to put the right running backs in the right position to go be successful based off of what runs that they execute at a higher level and what they can do in the pass game. And I think it's exciting because, uh, you know, speaking about Ramon, I can, I can talk about Ramon, right? Yeah. Um, speaking about Ramon, I mean, you know, production. Tremendous production. Alex Fontenot, tremendous production. Dion, Dion Lewis, per, tremendous production. So we got guys that, that have shown production at this level, uh, and I'm excited to watch those guys compete because um, it's not going to be one running back. It's going to always be by committee. Um, I saw that this past season. Um, you know, we were running against Wisconsin this past season with our pre, you know, preseason, probably fifth and sixth string running backs, and, you know, and those guys are going out there and getting 100 yards uh, almost every game. So um, you've got to have a deep group there because they're all going to touch the football. Yeah, I would say when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, um, if we're looking at more of an evaluation standpoint, looking at high school and even you know junior college and transfer type guys in general, not, not that we're, we're not in that market, but certainly we were in, and we'll always be in the high school market, um, is that you know there is a, there is a, a certain skill set that I'm looking for. It doesn't involve a particular height. It doesn't involve uh, you know you know you have to be able to run this forty time, um, but you know as it relates to the guys that are in like in the room right now, um, you know, between, you know, between JT, between Brendan, um, between Drew, and then coming in, we got Owen, uh, Maddox, uh, who's already here on campus. Uh, you know, we have enough in that room. There's enough clay in that room to be able to build this offense around their skill sets. And what we're doing right now is that, um, you know, we're, we're throwing a lot at the wall as an offensive unit in terms of what we want to be able to run. Uh, and then it will all be tailored and pared down relative to who our quarterback is and certainly who our person ends up being as we get to know it better and better so ultimately right now we're putting a system in place that really could embody the skill sets of somebody who can run tremendously at quarterback or somebody that's that's going to be a surgeon at the line of scrimmages and get us to the right place um, so we have all those things available to us we're building that as an offensive staff then we can go pare it down relative to the quarterback position um, but you know when we went out and, and made, we're making decisions about you know what we want to do relative to the transfer portal um, you know you, you have to really weigh that in terms of what's out there versus what you have inside the building and the more and more I watched uh, high school tape uh, college tape on PFF um, of what we have in the room um, we have everything that we need in this room to go function at a high level and I really do believe that now it's my job to go to go train those quarterbacks to develop their skill sets but I know they're eager I know they're hungry to be to become better players, uh, and and I think I saw enough on tape with, with what Brendan was able to do last year, and that what JT is capable of doing, and everything I've heard about him, um, that we can develop a championship quarterback in that room, if not multiple quarterbacks. And we're gonna have to use potentially, you know, more more than one quarterback in that room to go win a championship. So that's um, that's always going to be the case. Is we're gonna put the best players on the field that are the most committed to this organization, to this football program, and uh, that could involve multiple quarterbacks being involved. 
Mike, I, I think you, you kind of partially answered my question, but sticking with the quarterbacks room, of course, you have a returning starter, uh, Brendan Lewis, a guy, a, a young player, guy who, who had some ups, had some downs last year. He's returning. Obviously, as you alluded to, there's a lot more quarterbacks in that room for you to work with than in years past, but I'm just curious, and, and it certainly might be too early to, for you to have an opinion on this, but do you view things here and now, and maybe looking down the barrel to spring ball, as being more of an open playing field? Or in your mind, with the returning starter coming back to that room, is it a situation where this it's one guy, Brendan Lewis, and it's his job to lose as opposed to being more open? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I would say this, that, that position is always open for competition. Um, and, and really every position is. And, and I know that's a, a very uh, open-ended standard answer, but um, you know, you're only as good as your last practice. You're only as good as your last game. Um, so we're always going to compete. Um, and I would say, like, we're going to compete with each other, not against each other. Um, and I made that very clear to this to the offensive unit sitting right here in, in, in this room um, that we're not going to be there's not going to be a, a kind of a team JT and a, and a team Brendan or you know team Drew. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be our offense, and, and we're going to work together. And there's not going to be throwing sessions that are just with Brendan and certain receivers, and then throwing sessions that are with JT. Um, we're going to build a really uh, a tight knit uh, quarterback room that's going to compete well with each other. And uh, based off of what I heard a year ago uh, when both JT and Brennan were, were both healthy they were seeing the best out of each other um, the competitiveness between each other was bringing out the best in Brennan being, bringing out the best in JT and that's what I want um, and we're going to get that we're always going to get that now speaking to Brendan um, you know what I was so impressed with last year when watching the film was his toughness. I mean, um, that is the number one characteristic that I'm looking for in a quarterback. You know, the traits that we're going to play with here at CSU, CU, excuse me, um, is going to be all about the toughness of that position. And as, as, as challenging as the season was mentally, and frankly, as challenging as the season was physically for, for Brennan, he never batted an eye. Uh, he continued to come back. He's a, he's a fighter. And then while all that's going on, he, take, he took tremendous care of the football. Now, what's my job is, and, and our offensive staff's job, is to make sure that he has all the tools and the quarterback room is all given the tools that they know exactly where they're going with the football, that their progressions are clear. Um, and, and I can't hold uh, anything against him that I don't know because I wasn't here. Um, so I, we're going to give him a fresh start. We're going to give the entire room a fresh start to go out and compete. Uh, and it's our job to give them every, every tool that, they ha that they, we can possibly give them so that they can go make the reads that they need to make and know where to go with the football. Mike, just a quick question for you. Uh, you've had mixed results in your career. The fans are actually a little lukewarm when you got hired. But do you view this as an opportunity to kind of reprove yourself in your career? I think you, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, this this is a great um, this is a great profession, um, and I think this is indicative of of really all of us and all of our our industries. You know, um, life isn't isn't really meant to be lived. Uh, you know, with without any any adversity. I mean, adversity is where you really find out who you are. Adversity is going to be what um, allows you to form. Um, you know. Your, your true identity, uh, in, in my instance as a coach or in other people's instances as a businessman, um, we're going to have ups, we're going to have downs. There's going to be stuff that's in our control that we learn from. There's going to be stuff that's out of your control. Um, so the next time you have an opportunity, you're going you're gonna to make sure you're in a position where you know you can be successful. Um, so yes, uh, we're going to be in a, an entire program full of people with a massive chip on our shoulder. Um, that's who we have to be. Um, I, I certainly am that way. We have an offensive staff full of guys that have a chip on their shoulder, every single one of 
of us. We have a lot to prove. I know Shannon Turley, myself, and who he is yeah, in his DNA. He's a guy that always has a chip on his shoulder. And then most importantly, you have a head coach. I, I think that when, when, when you get to see Coach Durrell and the fire that he has, um, it, it is a guy that has an in- incredible chip on his shoulder to go prove that this program is exactly what it's capable of being under his direction. Um, there's an energy. There's an excitement that's in this building. Um, and the fan base is going to see that uh, when, when we have a chance to take the field. Um, but as everything that we're doing right now is, is building it inside this, this, you know, this, this building itself uh, and then bringing in people and, and being very aggressive and making sure that we, we bring the best coaches, the best players that we can bring to, to continue to fuel this program forward. Coach, we have one more on the Zoom. Dave, who we got on there? We have Mr. Henry Chisholm from DNVR. Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, you're, you're still pretty early on, um, but, but have you had a chance to, to look through the roster and kind of feel out what the, what the strengths of your offense are in terms of just pure talent? Yeah, you know, we've poured through, um, you know, a combination of film, Henry, uh, of looking at, um, you know, the body of work from, from the 2021 season, um, you know, but also really talking and, and hearing from, you know, different people that have been here. And, you know, obviously a resource like, like Darian Hagan's is tremendous to have, just understanding what we have uh, offensive skill-wise, um, you know, uh, relying on, on Coach Durrell and, and, you know, and, and Bob Lopez and Chandler. Um, to know what we have, that we we when we set out to recruit, we did that knowing what areas that we needed to to complete. You know, not not really re- replenish, but to to build up, um, create some more competition at certain positions. Um, yeah, so we've we've been doing that as an ongoing really process. Um, you know, so I think there's a, there's some strengths here. I think we have um, some early uh, leaders in this program. But until I have a chance to be out on a practice field, uh, I, I don't really know because I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, and that's that's the most important thing is, you know, this is a fresh start. It's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for everybody on this roster um, on an offensive side of the ball to make a great first impression because they're going to have that opportunity to do that. And they're doing that every single day in the weight room. They're doing it every single time they take the field for a team run. And then most importantly, when we get to spring practice, we're going to see uh, who our playmakers are. And then they're going to continue to, to, to make sure that we, um, we get the ball in those guys' hands. Um, and then uh, we're going to put the best five up front out there, and, and we're going to let those guys play. Great, back. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Coach Devan, we'll shift over to you. Next up, offensive line coach Kyle Devan. Hi, Coach. Adam Wilson Tiger from 24 7. Yeah. Good to meet you. Your position group had to deal with a coaching change in the middle of the season, and they took a lot of criticism last year. What was your message when you first met You know, I think um, Coach Sanford hit on it, and, and everybody's going to start over with a clean slate. And the guys in my room, right, had been through a lot with the two offensive line coaches. Uh, this past season, and, and so I think trust was a big was a big deal. You know, I, I was the new guy coming in. There's a good foundation, so you know I wanted to let those guys know. You know, I'm here to gain their trust, just like they're here, just like they're currently here to gain my trust. So um, I, I had been through, I've seen that, and I I experienced it as a player. So I'm very uh, understanding to to the change Coach Durrell made during the season, right? And uh, and so I think talking to them all, they're, they're all eager just to continue their process. And, and that's something I really appreciate. So um, point being is, is I know they've been through a lot. I'm understanding that and, and want all those guys to understand that they're going to get a fresh start. You know, I'm not, I'm not coming in, you know, 
Chandler and Coach De- Chandler Durrell and Coach Durrell have, have done a great job of kind of giving me a understanding of who the guys were individually. But I, I want to go out there and experience it first and, and see maybe my coaching style, my um, my teachings, my technique, or, or maybe more suitable to some of them that, that pr- might not have got along with the previous um, group. So I, I'm excited for that, and I think those kids are too. Coach, Taylor Kramer for the Bulls. Uh, you obviously had a successful playing career. And mm-hmm. as a former player, uh, what's something that you will stress or emphasize to your own line to uh, help them develop? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being a former player is, is provides um, – different insight of, uh, to the game. And, and so the one thing I, I tell all my guys is, is we're going to create a foundation. Okay, We're, we're going to all be taught the same fundamentals and techniques and landmarks and, and things of those nature. But you know when, it's, when you start getting to the expertise side of it, when you get into the fourth, fifth year players, the, the, the All-Americans, the All-Conference, right? they need to be taken to the next level. And, and that's something you know I experienced personally as a player, but then also being around some of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game, I could bring them different insight. And, and I do think there's a lot of value to that. I really do. I don't think you have to be a former player in the NFL or a former player at all. However, it just does provide with dip, provide me with different insight than, than somebody else. Hey, Coach. Uh, Brian Howell from the Bullet Daily Camera. Yeah. Um, I know your story has been well documented and you know, how you went to be a substitute for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also had a, kind of a long route to the NFL. Uh-huh. Do those things, have they helped you in your coaching career? Yeah. Being a teacher, you know, and going through some trials and getting to where you want to be. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, Coach Sanford hit on it and <clears throat> I always thought when I got in, I guess let me start here. I always thought when I got in the coaching, it'd be just easy, just kind of smooth sailing, right? And then you hit ups and downs. You hit, you, you, you get fired at some point. And so my perspective early on, especially my professional playing career, I mean, heck, I, I was on two different teams in my first three months of being a professional football player. I, I, I didn't have the easy way. Went undrafted, uh, was on practice squad, then was ready to call it quits and be a substitute teacher. Um, and, and so... You know, I dealt with a ton of adversity. And then I went and played uh, Arena 2 football at, in Boise, Idaho, with the Boise Burn. And, and it really, what, what it showed me is, is my passion for the game. And it showed me that, you know what, I'm going to do anything to be the best that I can be and, and follow my dreams that I've had since I was eight years old. And, and, and for me, thankfully, it worked out, you know, and... and Ten months later, I was starting in the Super Bowl. I started in, in Arena 2. Ten months later, I'm starting in the Super Bowl against the Saints. So not everybody has the same story that, that I have. Um, but yet, you know, I tell these guys I, I have a Super Bowl ring, you know, from that year. And, and I don't wear it and show it to people, right? I wear it because it reminds me of what I went through and what I had to do to achieve what I wanted. So I kind of always think about that and when I'm coaching. Um, when I want to cut the when I want to cut corners on on things because I'm tired or because I want to get out of the office, it reminds me. No, no, I need to do this little extra because it's going to pay off in the end. So they are subtle reminders and and uh, reminders. You know, I want to be the best that I can be. So. Hey, Kyle. Kyle King, Denver Gazette. Um, just curious, this past year, what that uh, was like um, being a part of a room that got plenty of recognition that yeah. was well deserved and. Being able to make the possible playoff, what that was like, and how that kind of has just gave you more hunger to to do that in other places, and bring CU back to um, getting to play in games like that. Yeah, obviously, I'm very thankful to uh, 
to Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis and Shrone Moore and, and Mike Hart, the, the, the guys at Michigan that, that allowed me to come in and, and be a part of it, right? And, and for me, it, it allowed me to, you know, me and Shrone, the offensive line coach, Coach Moore, we, we worked hand in hand in, in a lot of ways. But yet, when when it was pre, when, you know when it was presentation time, he was the one leading the room, which was awesome. So, I had an opportunity to kind of sit back and and not evaluate him, but evaluate myself and evaluate the things that he brought to me, right? Because I brought a lot to him, but but I was able to see what he did and what made him an off, a great uh, offense line coach and, and and allowed that that room to shine. Um, so it was great for me personally. Um, Obviously, it was great for me professionally, right? We won the Joe Moore Award. And, and what the Joe Moore Award is, it's the gold standard for offensive line play. And, and it's the only award in college football that awards to a position group, not just to an individual. So I think that, that was the, uh, the, the, the best part of it was we didn't recognize one person. We recognized, you know, the five starters and then, and then the key backups. Um, and what I learned from that is – you know, I loved every day of it, right? I mean, going to the college football playoffs is one of the neatest, coolest experiences that I've had, you know, in, in my career. Uh, but the way we did it was, was special. You know, it, it wasn't about – there was X's and O's involved, but it was about belief in one another. And, and it reminds you that, that this is a people-person game. And, and when you step across the white line, if you trust the guy adjacent to you, you know, you guys can make good things happen because at some point, Coach Sanford's going to call a play that might not work. But if every all 11 people believe that they have a chance, the play can work. And and so that's what it really reminded me of is when you believe in each other and you have a coaching staff that believes in you, you can you, you can do anything you want. And, and obviously that was a that was a special part last year. You know, Michigan went two and four and then went, golly, what did we go? 13 and two, 12 and two. What was my record last year? 12 and 2. 12 and 2. There's a lot of wins. I haven't had that many wins in a long time. What's that? My record. Yeah. So uh, it, was a, it was a great time. Hey, Kyle. Justin Guerrero with yeah. CU Sports Nation. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm just curious, uh, what's your impression been? Uh, just getting to know your room of guys from, from all the personalities in there uh, to, to the talent level. You've got some returning starters, yeah. some new faces. Just how's it been going, just building uh, some rapport with them and getting uh, to know those guys? I mean, honestly, it, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, the, these kids, you know, the, from the local ones to the ones that, that aren't from the region, I mean, they, they are here because they love Colorado. They love CU. And, and uh, so I, that's been refreshing, right, just to see these guys come in and, work their butts off and, and all of them want to make Colorado the best it can be and they want to win games and, and, and I really appreciate that and getting to know them individually it's it, obviously when you when you coach the amount of players that, that I coach you know in the offensive line room you don't get to you don't get to meet you don't get to get to know them you know uh, uh, as quickly as you want as far as like you know deeply you right I want to care for all my players so it's we're still in that process and coach uh, Darrell hit on it when I, I signed my contract and we hit the ground running and kind of had to finish this class and, and I think I explained to those guys right it's a part of the process just like when they were going through it so you know now that I'm back I've been you know I've had meetings individual meetings with all the players I've had you know I've had a meeting room with them and we really didn't talk about football we talked about life and we talked about goals and I think that's important right I, I don't want to get up there and talk about how I'm going to teach a dry block no I want to get up there and say hey this is this is my family this is who I am tell me about your family Tell me about what you're studying in school, right? I want to invest in time outside this building because when they're in here, 
you know, when we get to spring, when we get to football school and spring football and fall camp and all those things, it is about football. But you only get them for three, four hours a day, right? I, I want to know what, what they're doing outside of here. I want them to know that I'm invested in them as a person, not just a football player. We get caught up uh, in this profession, all we worrying about, you know, you, you judge a player based on his poor second step or his really good punch and pass protection. I want these guys to know that I care about them outside, inside the football, on the football field, and then outside, outside the building as well. So it's, it's, been, it's been good. Really excited to keep watching them develop. We'll go to the Zoom. Dave, anything for Coach? Uh, Coach, you ever do that phone interview I set up for you? Uh, I'm going to call right now. I, I got to get it done. I, I, I apologize. I got Jason, Kelsey, and then uh, I did one with McAfee, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, tell stories of the good old days. Good deal. Otherwise, I need a date for me to take the boys and you out to my sports bar. Yes, sir. I'm going to bring my kids go uh, ice skating. I'm, my, I'm half Canadian now, so I got to get – I like to say, that's how it works, right? You marry a Canadian, I get, I, I get to celebrate all the holidays, so I just say I'm half Canadian. Uh, but, yeah, no, but yeah, we'll, we'll be out there on the, on the ice soon. Great. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Next up, going to be tied in, Coach Clay Patterson. Yeah. I'm rethinking who I have to work with every day. Jeez. All right, questions in the room for Coach Patterson. Hey, Clay, I'm Tyler King, Denver. I'm just curious, being able to, to follow Coach Sanford here, how important that was for you and just how important it is to already have a relationship with him as you kind of or in a new spot, but, you know, have that kind of prior relationship. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Coach Sanford's 40th birthday is on Friday, so happy birthday, Coach Sanford. <laughs> you know? uh, but I'm, I'm excited to be with him. Um, obviously, that was a huge draw for me coming to Colorado. Uh, was our relationship. Uh, we have a great relationship on and off the field. Uh, and, you know, he's taught me a lot. You know, he has a ton of experience that I haven't been able to have in my career, and, and I'm excited to build something with him. Uh, we have we have light beliefs in what we believe in, and, and I'm extremely, extremely excited, uh, you know, to, to continue this journey with him. You know, and, and his football background is similar to mine but different. Um, but it's he's taught me a lot, man. That guy, you know, he's an underneath center, Boise State, Stanford guy. You know, I've been a spread guy my whole life. So combining that uh, is going to be really, really fun. I about your room. Uh, you know, obviously, Brady Russell is uh, very experienced. Uh, he's an older guy. He's a leader. And then you got a bunch of guys that haven't really played a whole lot. So uh, you first talk about Brady yeah. and kind of what he means to that room, uh, being that old guy, and then what you see in the younger town. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, you know, very excited about Brady because he's, a, you know, he basically is a professional at this point going into a six year of eligibility. Um, you know, when we played Colorado earlier this season, like our defensive staff brought up Brady to me. Uh, you know, he has the long hair and we had a guy that had long hair. They're both physical. Uh, and so I was excited. I watched him then and, and coming back and watching his film. I, I'm very excited about it. I love, I love kids like him that come from a walk on situation that um, has, a, has a chip on his shoulder you know and and he's hungry for everything that he gets and and I'm excited to see him grow teach him the offense but really just put him in a good situation you know and, and I talked to Brady about you know what his body's been through he's basically you know should be going into a mini camp right now uh, and, and treating him in that that fashion and then growing up the young guys and I took over a room at Minnesota that was all freshmen sophomores and it's very similar to this room uh, it's a really good clay 
great kids, intelligent kids, and, and that part of it, they have the clay that I need to, we need to work with. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about them, you know, and to see what they can do uh, on the football field uh, as we get out there. You have a history in Oklahoma. I'm curious, you know, that's not an area that Colorado's recruited a lot in the past. Is that an area you'd like to kind of open up, given your ties in that area? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you grow up in Oklahoma, um, you know, this, that was big eight country. You know, so Colorado has a, has, still has a name uh, in the state of Oklahoma, in the state of Texas. Uh, and, you know, kids from Oklahoma, you, you know, you grew up, I grew up. Love, love in Colorado, you know, and, and so I think that we can draw kids out of there um, to this area of the country. Uh, it's a lot of, lot of familiarity, uh, and, yeah, we'd love to get into Oklahoma, and, and there's a lot of hidden talent in the state of Oklahoma. I wasn't one of them, you know, so, um, but there are some good football players in the state of Oklahoma, and, you know, especially being a junior college coach in the state of Oklahoma, you know, I, I, I re- could recognize and see those kids that were under-recruited, uh, and they had the ability to go, you know, go to a junior college in Oklahoma and then get recruited out to this level so uh, there, there is talent there and I'm excited to, to be able to go do that and, and, and bring them here. Hey Clay, uh, Colorado certainly struggled through the air last year offensively. Uh, as passing game coordinator I'm curious just how you found yourself uh, settling into that role and maybe uh, what challenges you see on the road ahead just uh, trying to get Colorado uh, back to having an effective pass game. Yeah absolutely you know ultimately um, you know we want to put our guys in a situation to be successful, you know, and to be efficient. And, uh, and it's, it's not so much what we're going to do, it's just how we're going to do it. Uh, and I think that's the most important part is protecting our quarterback, especially young quarterbacks, and, and putting them in a good situation to get the ball to playmakers in space. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big, firm believer that, you know, great players make great coaches, but at the end of the day, you have to put your players in a situation to be successful no matter their skill level. Uh, and it starts with that for us and, and putting them in a situation to be successful, let them have fun playing the game of football, because last time I checked, throwing a forward pass was a, was fun, you know, and, and we need to get back to that. And uh, and I'm excited for the challenge to build this thing with uh, Coach McGagan and, and Coach Sanford and uh, and put our guys in a good situation. Thanks, Coach. we got one on yep. the Zoom for you, Dave. What do we got? We've got Neil Wells, who writes for CUBuffs.com, our website, Clay. But Neil lives in New Mexico. He commutes, so he's uh, nice. on the Oklahoma border. Nice, man. Hey, hey, Coach, just real quickly, uh, tight ends seem to be having more and more and more of a, of a big impact on offense as you look at the national championship game this year. Can you talk a little bit about the evolution of that position and how it, is, how it has evolved over the last few years to being a, a, a big, big part of every offense? Yeah, you know, tight ends are, are a matchup problem if they have, a, if they have the right skill set. Uh, and I think that's what you're seeing is you're seeing guys get bigger, faster, and stronger. Uh, and you're seeing big receivers move to tight end position, and, and now you're, they're creating matchup problems for linebackers uh, in space, uh, and then off the play action game, slipping out. Because uh, the more you run the football, you know, the easier it is to get those guys out into routes. Uh, and, and I think it's really just coming with how big and fast and strong they're, they're, they're becoming and have been. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to watch because as a tight end, you're really a unique person and a unique player because you have to be an alignment, uh, and you have to pass protect, you have to be able to run block, and then you have to be able to go meet man coverage, zone coverage, and go make plays. So uh, it's, a, it's a very unique position, and, and guys got to be smart and athletic, uh, and, and they got to be trustworthy. You know, because sometimes as a tight end, you don't get a lot of opportunities. So you got to show that uh, you can be trustworthy.
trustworthy, and when the ball comes your way, you're going to go make plays. Uh, so it's it's fun to watch it and, and people how people are using tight ends now, uh, you know. And it's funny because you know the, usually the best tight end in the country you see them catch eighty balls and they line, sometimes they line up at tight end like ten plays all year, but they're a tight end, you know. So uh, it's it's they're unique and uh, we're excited uh, about the opportunity to use our guys uh, and, and get them in space. I got one for you from, from yeah. me actually. Uh, how often do you point to the George Kittles and the Travis Kelseys with what they do aside from catching the ball? A lot. To be honest with you, uh, you know, it starts with we, we did a lot of study in the, the 49ers uh, with some of their outside zone stuff. So I use, I use Kittle a lot uh, about how physical he is because he's super athletic. And you, all you see on sports centers, those guys catching balls. But, you know, they're they're very physical guys uh, and they play the game the right way all the time. They don't just wait till the ball's coming their way. And that we use that a ton, to be honest with you, uh, because I love watching him play. Um, you know, and watching how Kittle blocks and the things he does and, and his athleticism is unbelievable. But, you know, using those things to show them, hey, and then you'll see those guys pass protect. Well, they don't, they don't literally don't show that on Center where a guy like him, they're the best players at their position, but they have to pass protect. And we use that to show our guys, hey, man, this is, you, know, you got to be able to do it all if you want to be the best. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for taking the time out to join us, Coach. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Next up is going to be new receivers, Coach Phil McGagan. Hey, Coach. Uh, Brian Allen from Boulder. Hey, Brian. Um, we've asked some of these other guys, but uh, can you talk about your journey uh, to Colorado? And sure. You've obviously been in the NFL, uh, did not coach this last year. Sure. But then, you know, now being back in the, the coaching room. Yeah, so I, I guess the journey's been, um, you know, everyone has their own unique journey and their unique path. So I feel that your experiences really do mold who you are as a person and as a coach. So obviously, you know, being a player at Maine and having a chance to bounce around the NFL for four years and playing for Coach Durrell was, was a real pleasure, a real blessing for me um, to get a chance to, to see how he cared for his players, how his individualized approach to the development of each individual player. Um, There's a lot of things that he did from a family standpoint um, that he sacrificed when we watched him, what he did uh, for his family while he was our position coach. Um, it really impacted a lot of the guys in that room. So I think going forward, you know, after leaving the Broncos in 2002, I was able to uh, model a lot of my philosophical beliefs around Coach Shanahan and that staff. Um, and then positionally, Coach Durrell is a very patient teacher. Um, he's had a lot of integrity and personal character. So when you, you know, we're all human beings and we go through different things in our life. Um, and he was a contemporary as well when I was in the NFL. He was also a position coach, you know, coaching the same position. So having that relationship and that bond, and we really see football very similarly. So I think having that relationship and that bond um, has helped me along my journey, you know, going from Maine to Navy to USF to the Dolphins to ECU to the Buffalo Bills to the LA Chargers. And then last year sitting out when we did have some options, but it was the most appropriate thing to do for our family um, was to sit out 2021 and then be uh, all in on 2022 and really do that in, in an environment that there's a lot of trust and uh, a holistic uh, development approach to the players and coaches. Um, and, and that was something Something that's very uh, exciting for our family. Hey, Phil, Tyler King, Denver Gazette. Um, you mentioned your relationship with Coach Terrell as you know as a player, but how important is it to you, 20 years later now, to be coaching alongside them and just, in, especially in this area in the state where you guys were? Together? Sure, I think that's a great question. Um, 
I believe the, the, the first thing that's very important in this profession is trust and loyalty. And I trust Coach, and, and he trusts me. I'm loyal to him, and he's loyal to me, and that's always been that way uh, for 20 years. So if there's an issue that comes up to in my social life or with my children or things like that, I'm not the only person that, that you know, Coach gets a call from. There's a lot of guys in that room that you know. Um, that call him for guidance because of his even demeanor and his, his calming presence. And there's no situation in life that's too big. You know, we just have to systematically talk about what we can control and controlling those variables and then kind of assessing the next steps and then being proactive as opposed to being reactive. So um, for me at this stage of my career, trust, loyalty, um, you know, caring about players, not just as, you know, statistical leaders, which, you know, in all of our past, and I'll speak directly for myself, I've had a lot of guys catch a lot of passes, but I think the guys that you would reach out to that have been successful, that, that you guys all know, would say I've cared more about them as people than I did about those big numbers that they've put up. Um, but we are proud of those numbers, but there's also more that goes in behind the scenes, and that's really what I'm looking forward to bringing to this program. Hey, Phil, Justin Guerrero from CU Sports Nation. Uh, you seem to have a pretty energetic start to the recruiting trail since you got settled. Sure. Over. I know a lot of fans were excited to see uh, your first couple offers go out. I'm curious just if you have a philosophy when it comes to recruiting, sure. recruiting young men, talking to them, their parents and their homes, and, and overall just what you think you bring to this program from recruiting. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good, good analysis about hitting the ground running and recruiting. And, uh, you know, recruiting is kind of an interesting word for me. You know, it's like I think it's more about identifying and then connecting. You know, that's kind of the definition for me of recruiting. So you look at tape, obviously the initial evaluation. Can he run? Can he catch? Has he got courage in traffic? Is he good with uh, the ball under his arms? Can he cut him out of the – all the physical intangibles, you know, uh, that you look at uh, as well as just like the metrics as far as the 40 time and the vertical jump. There's more to it than just that. There's learning what motivates this person. And what type, do they love football? Are they eager to learn? Or are they just doing it because they're very good at it and it's an opportunity for them to play college football and they enjoy um, you know, all of the th trimmings that go with being a collegiate student athlete at this level? So I think you have to identify and then you really have to investigate. And then I'm not a really uh, a person who's going to uh, bend the truth. Um, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm going to be very direct with you about what you need to do to improve. These are the things I see you do really well. These are things that I can help you. This is a player I feel you're similar with. I'd like to connect you to. Um, and then you guys can start talking about some of the different things that, hey, coach is going to do this with you. He's going to be difficult about these particular details that are very important to him. So I think it's just about um, trying to make sure that it's a it's a match you know from a personality standpoint from a from a development standpoint and uh, do they fit what we're trying to get done here you know long-term vision wise are they similar to the guys in our roster do they add another dimension um, you know getting with coach Sanford uh, and just saying okay what are we gonna do schematically and then you know what do we need to improve on so I feel like all those things in recruiting are, are very important they're very critical to making um, sound decisions not just for us making decisions on players but to decisions on players making decisions on their coaches who's going to coach them and is that a style that they are going to respond to or, you know um, 
because this isn't going to be a country club. You know, we're going to work. And uh, I want guys who want to work and want to improve and have a burning desire to, to be great and compete, go to class, get a degree, be good young men. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot of life lessons there, not just about the route depth on a comeback. So it's a, there's a holistic development process. And I want guys who want to be better men. You know, I want to be better sons, eventually husbands and fathers. Um, and those are the things that we're trying to get done in the wide receiver room. Hi, Coach. Adam was retired from 24-7 sports. You mentioned hey, Adam. you decided not to coach in 2021. Yes, sir. Is that tough? Did you learn yes. anything during that experience? Yes, it was the toughest decision I ever had to make in my life. Um, and we had opportunities after um, we were terminated uh, with the Chargers. Uh, but just with COVID and I was separated from my son for eight months. Um, I hadn't been away from him for longer than three weeks. Um, he was living in Florida. I was in California. We had strict bubble protocols. Um, you know, I just felt like I was losing ground as a father. Um, I didn't know my biological father until I was 38 years old. And for me, being a father is not like obligatory. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I want to be there. And I want to be a part of this process. I'm going to develop everybody else's children, but I'm not going to spend enough time developing my own son. Uh, this is not how I live my life. Um, but it was difficult because I love football. And uh, so I did some things. I got a chance to go to LSU for a couple of weeks. I went to Alabama. I visited Louisville. I was at La Tech for a week. So these are all places that I went. I did a lot of Zooms and clinics and uh, coached my son's flag football team. We had three seasons in the year. Uh, we have the championship game on Friday, so I'll be flying out tomorrow to, to coach in that. Um, you know, no recruitable athletes, so don't turn me in for any recruiting bots. They're only, they're only, seven, they're only seven years old, but there are some guys that could play in that league. Um, but it was difficult. You know, and, and, and I think, to be honest, 2020 was a difficult year for a lot of people in a lot of regards. Um, so it, it was a tough decision. I feel it was the right decision. Uh, I surrounded myself with some really good mentors. And uh, my wife, Tori, was so strong. And she, she, she deserved the husband that I was this year. And my kids deserve the father that I was this past year. And CU is going to get the best version of myself um, because of the decision I made in 2021. Hey coach, uh, Taylor Kramer for the Bulls. Uh, similar to Justin's question, you offered a plethora of top high school wide receivers in the nation scholarships just a few days after joining the staff. How do you plan to try and uh, help attract that top talent to Boulder for the coming year? There's a few, that's a great question uh, as well. And I, I feel like, okay, why CU? You know, well, I think the reality of it, it all comes down to what have you done to, for other players and what, who have you worked with and how can you develop people? We're not going to back down anybody in recruiting at the receiver position. I can tell you that right now. So if you're a top talented wide receiver and you're 2023, I'm going to be on, on you to come here. That's just the reality of what it is. Um, I feel very confident with my ability to develop the wide receivers. Uh, we have Coach Durrell, who also has you know, a great track record of doing that. But the reality is, how do I expect a player to go take that field, Folsom, uh, to, with supreme confidence if their position coach doesn't have confidence that, he, that he's going to do a great job and do just a good job, if not better than most coaches in the country, developing wide receivers? That's how I feel. You know, that's because the players that God gave me to coach over the last decade have been really good players. And we've all bought into the vision. They've done the little things. They've blocked. They've gotten the route depths. They play without the football. They're tough. They're physical. They're available. They take care of their bodies. Um, so I just feel very, very confident with the development process, not just as football players, but I have a lot of former players that I'm very, very close to that are excellent coaches. Um, 
Uh, Brian Hartline is one that I feel very strongly about. Um, we were together for three years and just philosophically how we go about our business. Uh, and there's several other players um, that I've that I've coached that give me a tremendous amount of confidence because they were very responsive to a demanding style of coaching and just we're, we hold them to a high standard and the accountability factor is high, the development factor is high, but the reality is is that these young men, when they go to the combine, they have a chance to be evaluated by the 32 other uh, receiver coaches that are in the league currently. They're going to be impressed with not only their physical attributes you know, with what Coach Turley's doing down there, but also their mental preparation, their coverage recognition, their ability to understand schematics, conceptual route running, uh, the spacing that's required with these routes to open up and pry open zone coverages, the ability to separate and get off the line of scrimmage uh, and man-to-man coverage and press. Uh, so um, I've only done this job. You know, I've been a player and I've been a coach, you know, at, at just receivers. So, you know, this is what I love. Um, I, you know, I've never coached quarterbacks and bounced around and done this. Like, this is what I do, and this is what we do. And this is – I have a great deal of respect for the receiver position. I love the game of football. Um, it's given me everything. It's given my family things that we never would have imagined. Uh, it's, it's created a situation um, – that wasn't always great for me as a youngster to a position where I feel like I can make a real difference in other people's lives. So um, I respect that's this whole process. Uh, and those are the things that I feel that we can add value as a staff and add value as a university. I love the city of Boulder. I used to come here as a former player with the Broncos in my off days just to escape. I'd come and stand on the sidelines at games and just watch because I really love the environment. Uh, Denver's always been uh, my favorite place I ever played, and I've been with seven different NFL teams. Uh, Denver, by far, from an organizational standpoint and what Coach Shanahan did uh, culturally was my favorite. So f- for me, I, all these things that I can talk about, you know, I can be a direct extension of what Coach Durrell's vision, his character, his integrity. I know what he wants. So I feel like when I get on the phone with these top prospects across the country for 2023, I know exactly what I'm talking about as it relates to this program, how they fit in this program, and what we can do to help them maximize their God-given ability. Coach, we got one on the Zoom. Dave, what do we got? Hey, Coach, uh, nice to see you after swapping, what, 30 emails? Yeah, what's up, Dave? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> trying, to, trying to hire a coach over a holiday weekend is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> We've true. got Henry Chisholm from DNVR for you. Hey, Coach, um, you know, I'm just curious, going from the NFL where you're coaching Keenan Allen to going to CU where you're coaching a lot of 18, 19-year-olds, just, just how different is it being a wide receivers coach at those different levels? It, I don't look at it really that much differently. I mean, we have to learn how to get into a stance. we got to learn how to come off the ball. All the fundamentals uh, have to be taught, and they have to be taught well. So, um, you know, to be honest, maybe Keenan's like the, the top end and maybe Mike Williams. Those are the guys that, you know, we may be working on 400 level classes, but everybody else in that room, you know, is, is developmental guys. So, you know, Keenan requires less attention than the day I got there than he does now. Mike requires a little bit less attention. But, um, you know, at this particular point, these all, everybody else in that room, they need a coach. You know, they need to be coached. They need to be developed. So I don't look at it like, oh, this is college and we are going to do something different. Like the position is the position, the skills that, um, you know, I think the best example would be like a Zay Jones, you know, at ECU when I left the Dolphins and was able to work with him just for the one year. You know, he was a good football player, um, 
you know, before I got there, so it wasn't like he wasn't a good player. But I think, you know, went from 90 catches to 158 and set the NCAA record in 12 games. Um, I think that's a good example of, of this is what we do. This is what we did with Jarvis Landry in 15, and this is what we're going to do with Yuse in 16. And that's how it works from a fundamental standpoint, scheme, and just the different things. Football is football, and what's good football is good football at, at every level. Um, you know, are you, are you fitting uh, – you know, the past schemes that are going to be appropriate versus the coverages. All those things are very similar, um, just giving people sound plans to be successful. So I don't really look at it much differently than, than I do the job that I had previous. Like, I'm going to do the job the way we do the job. Dave, you're muted, but I think we're good, right? Dave, you're muted. Dave, you're, you good? Dave, we're, you're muted. I'm sorry, Chase Howell is a quick one for you. Okay. Hey, Phil, Chase Howell from the Action Network. I was just wondering, are you impressed with what Brian Hartline has done at all? Yeah. I'm going to reach out to him and talk to him about recruiting kids. Yeah. Obviously he's one of the best recruiters in the nation. Yeah, and so I think he would he would view it very similar. So I talked to Brian last week. I, I've talked to Brian all the time. I'm very proud of Brian um, for what he's accomplished on his own in his own regard. Um, I have a lot of love for, for him and his wife, Kara, and their two children. Um, so I think it's very – and I understand where coach is coming from on this to see one of your former players go off and coach and have success. There's a certain amount of pride that you have with, with seeing guys that you are a part of, you know, them playing really good football. And then philosophically seeing – like, for example, we had K.J. Hill in our room um, – with the Chargers, so Heartline developed him. So getting a chance to to hear the terms that Heartline and I shared when we were working together as a as a player and coach, and then and KJ comes in and he's able to to dress out and play week one as a as a rookie as a late round draft pick. Um, those are the development stories that are important um, to me. Is that Heartline has those guys ready to play in the NFL, um, and and he's a good man and and. Yeah, I just have a lot of respect for, for Brian. I have a lot of love for him. I'm always going to root for him. Um, I'm always going to be here for him, very similar to the way that you know Coach uh, Darrell has been there for me. And, and you want to champion your former players. You want to be an advocate for your former players. Um, and, you know, that's a special sacred bond when you get an opportunity to coach the, these top guys uh, in the league. And, you know, it's not always sunshine, rainbows, and skittles. Sometimes there's some tough days and you're at each other a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about improvement. It's all about trying to get these guys in positions to, to separate and catch balls and be productive. And at the end of the day, the bottom line, we got to win football games. Okay, now it's McGagan, right? That's excellent, yeah. What is the weirdest way someone's ever pronounced your last name? Oh, man. A lot of different ways, you know. I just tell them I didn't pick it, so you know, whatever. McGagan, that's what it is. I just try to correct. It's not a big deal. Just say Coach Phil. If you're gonna butcher the name, just say Coach Phil. You know what I mean? Like, don't try to play double Dutch and hopscotch all over my last name. You know, like, just enunciate your words. If you don't know them, then just say Coach Phil. It's less syllables. <laughs> Thanks, Coach Someone Phil. Asked <laughs> Someone asked me if it was pronounced with G O G. Yeah, I've heard that one too before. You know. Usually you're all younger and you're on the road and, you know, playing a game and usually you're torching them. So I didn't mind them mispronouncing my name because that means they're calling it a bunch of times. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Coach. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. All right. Coach Wilson is up next. That's a hard one to follow. How's everybody? <laughs> no one should mispronounce your last name. Uh, you know something? Uh, it'll be back shortly. With this type of weather, it's coming soon. <laughs> How you doing, Dave? Living the good life. Good. 
Living the dream. Yes. All right, we'll get going in the room here. Who's got a question for Coach Wilson? Introduce myself to you, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know a lot of changes, obviously. Um, mostly on offense, but there's been some on defense. Absolutely. You know, talk about for you moving to a different position, but then also kind of what you like about the other guys coming in. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm excited about having the opportunity to work with our outside linebackers. Uh, and the biggest reason is because now as a coordinator, it allows me the flexibility to work with everybody on defense. So now not only am I with the, the front seven, I'm also with the back, the back end, which was really key when you're trying to tie things together on a week-to-week basis, just the nuances of it. And I think as a coordinator, you have to be able to touch everybody in your, in your, on your defense, especially when you don't have the ability to be a walk-around guy. So I'm really excited about it. And uh, in regards to the new coaches that we're bringing, I'm even more excited. Uh, we got better. And again, not taking anything away from our previous staff because they, they did a, a wonderful job. But again, we had a chance to get some guys that we thought that added um, talent acquisition. They're a talented group of young guys. Guys like Rod Chance who comes in and uh, has a great background, a great pedigree uh, from the University of Oregon. And uh, had a chance to work with Coach Durrell as well as Coach Maxey. Uh, at Bandy, so uh, I was really pleased at that. And now that I've had a chance to work with them on a day-to-day basis, very smart, uh, really great self-awareness, and has the ability to, as I like to say, be a thermostat in that room. So again, he can change the temperature of that room, and uh, that's going to be big for us. And then uh, when you get a chance to do, get hire a guy like Vic Soto, uh, who is one of the, again, both of these young, these these men are up and rising coaches. Vic had a chance. I'd met him in his days at Virginia, so I had a chance to visit with him, with him, and meet with him when I was in the NFL. Uh, liked him, and then just kind of tracked his career. And then when he had a chance to go to USC, and we had the time, we knew that there was a possibility to get him. He just added even more value. And again, I think that gives us another level for our front. Uh, again, we have a chance that he and I are going to work together on a day-to-day basis. So I'm really excited about that, also. So again, I'm really, really pleased about the group. Hi, Coach. When you reflect on last season, what were your main takeaways, both good and bad? Well, uh, I'll, I'll start with uh, the areas of improvement. Uh, the biggest area of improvement is just consistency, time on task. You know, year one in this system, uh, this is obviously year two for me here, but in a totally complete new system than when we were year one when I first got here. So, you know, just the consistency of play. And again, that's, that happens with a lot of repetition, a lot of opportunities, which we had. And as you can see, we, we progressively got better, even though we started losing some guys at the end due to various reasons, you know, i.e. COVID, if that was the case, or injuries. Our young guys were able to come in and still compete and digest. And when you have a chance to play that many freshmen and sophomores, you're going to take your lumps. But the beauty of it is now those freshmen are sophomores, and those sophomores are now juniors. So I'm excited about the number of reps they got and the things they were able to do in regards to tur- creating turnovers. Only given, I want to say, 39 or 40 touchdowns in a 12-game series, which is really an, an, an impressive stat. So, you know, uh, the things that we can clean up are very fixable. Uh, we've got a talented group, a young group, and we've added even more talent to that deal. So I'm really excited about that. But the thing that I, I love more than anything about the group I had a chance to coach is their resiliency. They, they never wavered. They never pointed fingers. They came to work every day and tried to improve. And uh, we can build on that when you have guys who want to come in and, and, and do the work. There's no shortcut to that. So I was excited about that group of guys. 
Chris, just curious, with the Super Bowl coming up, what kind of memories do you have of four years ago? And um, now that Tom Brady has retired, mm -hmm. you're officially part of the last team to beat him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So what was that kind of like? And just looking back on that, what, what kind of takeaways do you have looking four years later? Well, first of all, you know, uh, congratulations, Tom. 22 years. Uh, avid winner, great representative for the league and football in general. Uh, it, it's exciting because you always get a little bug. You know, obviously with uh, my background in the NFL as well as my son actually being in the NFL, you still keep your, you keep the pulse of it. So it, it's going to be an exciting game because you got two really talented teams, uh, both teams with a chip on their shoulder. Obviously the Rams have a chance to go back this time and, and, and win it. So, again, I've got a good friend on that staff, Cedric Jones, who works in the scouting department. Make a long story short, they're excited, but they want to finish this time. And then when you look at what, what the Bengals have been able to do and, and Press Taylor, I've known Press, Press's dad. We're from the Oklahoma tree. To make a long story short, I couldn't be more excited from that for him. He's done a great job. Uh, the integrity he's brought. He took a roster that a lot of people didn't want to, want to take and, and turned it around. So it should be an exciting day. And I think the thing that you take away from it is, is how hard it is to get to the ultimate game. And when you do get there, your whole focus is about winning because you don't know if you're going to get that opportunity again. So I know both, both teams are going to, you know, it, it should be a great Super Bowl, a lot of action on both sides. And you'll probably see these, these teams for years to come with the youth on some of the rosters. Coach, I know certainly you'll have your, your hands full as it is uh, just with play calling duties looking ahead to this year and also transitioning to the outside linebackers room. But I'm curious if, the, if there is any part of you that, that will keep your finger on the pulse of the defensive line room, considering you have spent a couple years developing that room, getting to know those guys. Is there is that possible for, for you and Coach uh, Soto to combine your thoughts and, and resources and, and both be there for, for those guys? That, that was our why. And one of the, the, the big criterias for it was, uh, was working someone that uh, we saw things similar. And not only that, a guy who was hungry to learn. And that's what's neat about a guy like Rod Chance and Vic Soto. They're guys who want to come in, they have great ideas and thoughts, but they also want to come in here and learn how we do things. So it's a good collaboration. And so we, what we've been doing the last few days is sharing ideas, but we're going to really, Vic and I, work close together. And that was really important for me. I really believe that your fronts are the key on both sides of the ball. So having a guy with, with that, his full focus was going to be key for us. And so, again, I couldn't have hired a better guy, and I'm excited about what he brings to the table. You mentioned the, uh, you know, the back end. You guys got hit pretty hard from the transfer for mm -hmm. back end. Three of the four starters yep. moved on. Uh, you got a lot of young guys there that have we do. much football. Some guys come off injuries. What's the challenge for that group to try to, you know, fill those holes? And you know, especially the spring, because a lot of these guys aren't even here yet. So, kind of, what's the challenge with that group? Uh, the, the challenge is really like any other team, and this is how I look at it. You know, again, not only being in the NFL, but obviously in college. Every year you got a new roster, and you kind of just accept those changes. But what you also do is you kind of embrace those new opportunities. We've got a young, talented group of uh, back-end guys. And, again, what, they, what they've done these last few weeks since they've been back has been really impressive. They look at this as a great opportunity for themselves. And we just take the next man up approach. And, again, and they've bought into it. That's what we were last season, and they're really buying into it. And what you really now is you have guys who are happy and excited about 
the growth that they have in this deal. So, you know, I'm really excited about those group of guys. And, and again, I'm very grateful for the guys that were here and uh, that, that chose other opportunities. I think that's it in the room. Coach Dave, anything on the Zoom? Well, I'm not seeing anything. Anybody real quick have anything for uh, Coach Wilson? I have a question. Sorry, can you hear me, hi. Can you hear me now? I can't. Hi, um, Nikki. Hi. hi, Coach. How, How are, are you? you? I'm great, thank you. Good. How has it been watching Lem and Wells pursue their dreams in the NFL, and will you be watching them in the Shrine Bowl tomorrow? Absolutely. You know, once they're your guys, they're always your guys, and that's the thing that you uh, – I think sometimes that we don't we don't applaud enough. The relationships are lifelong, and for these guys to have an opportunity to uh, still have the ability to chase their why, is so cool. Because you you know you don't get to uh, pick after college. You're chosen. And so what they did is they, they gave a great blueprint for some of our younger players on how you handle business professionally on a day-to-day basis and uh, how professionally they were uh, in and out of our building, socially, uh, great leaders. And again, and that's what I call guys that are, that are thermostat. They can change the temperature of the room, both, both of those guys. So I believe those guys are going to uh, be drafted and they're going to be really good contributors in their league. They have really great self-awareness. And, and as, a, as a coach and as a chance, we had a chance to stand in front of those guys, I couldn't be more excited for them. Great. Now, thanks, uh, Chris, for joining us. And thanks for giving us a new term to change the thermostat. Change it. That's it. That's one of his favorites. <laughs> it is. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Be safe out there. Coach Chance. We'll transition to Coach Chance here. Next up on Zoom, guys, quarterback, Coach Rod Chance. All right, we'll start in the room for Coach Chance. Questions? Hi, Coach Adam. What's your tiger from 24-7 Sports? How you doing? Could you just kind of share with us your coaching philosophy, uh, you know, what, what your best attributes are in that role, what you've learned throughout your coaching career? Uh, I think I'm a relationship coach first and foremost because uh, I believe that, you know, kids don't care how much you, you know until they know how much you care. So for me, uh, my first and foremost thing, I want to be a great relationship. You know, I can't be their father, um, but some of those kids may need a father figure, maybe a big brother figure, maybe an uncle, because I believe that if you had a great relationship with kids, you can coach them just about as hard as you want to because they know it comes from a sincere place. Um, but from that, man, I want to make sure that I am their harshest critic in the meeting room, but on game day, you know, I'm their biggest fan. So I think that's kind of encompasses who I am a little bit, you know, in terms of who I am, what I bring to the table, and my approach to the players. Coach Brian Howell from the Bullet Data Camera. I want to ask you about a couple of your players. Uh, you know, Jason Oliver is, uh, is a kid coming in from high school that uh, you know, just got here, and also Tyron Taylor. You know, we, saw, we can see him play cornerback uh, and safety. Where do you see Tyron, and then kind of where is Jason at this point? You know, I think for us, you know, we want to be able to have an opportunity to see those guys. You know, obviously both of them have versatility to their game. I'm very familiar with Jason. You know, obviously, you know, my last place was actually recruiting him a little bit. I was trying to get him on campus, trying to get him to camp. So, you know, fired up to have him here. But I think it will be a little bit premature, you know, trying to, you know, kind of cast those guys at one or the other. Um, That's a good thing about the class we brought in. We got guys that can play on the outside and lock up. We got guys that can play in deep defense as well. So I think for us it's about getting those guys on campus you know, getting their movement skills around and kind of seeing, you know, who they are, what they do, um, what their body style is going to be when they show up, you know, and then that kind of, we'll kind of move from there. Within college football, I mean, this is one of the craziest coaching cycles we've seen. You were a part of that with uh, you know, Mario moving on to Miami. 
um, and then lead you to here. So kind of what's this process been like for you, just uh, going from one Pac-12 school to the other and you know, maybe not really foreseeing that change? You know, uh, you know, it's just college football. You know, I think for me, you know, the way I was brought up in this profession, I lived my life on a one-year contract because, you know, at some point, you know, you're going to move on to another opportunity or they're going to tell you they don't want you there anymore, you know, in the same sense. So I think for me, I just like to be where my feet are, you know what I mean, to take care of the opportunity. Um, the best thing about getting the next job is taking care of the job that you have. If you do a great job at that, you know, opportunities to kind of flow from there. So, you know, things are, are kind of crazy and kind of hectic from the outside world. But, uh, you know, we chose to coach football, and, and that kind of comes along with it. There's a lot of sacrifices that come with it in terms of our families. And uh, I always say there's a special place in heaven for, for football wives. So, you know, for me, I don't think of it as any other thing in a normal year. This is what happens, you know, uh, much like myself, other coaches. You know, our phones are going to ring every year. You know, it doesn't matter where you're going to stay, where you're at, or whether you believe it's a better opportunity for you moving forward. Hey, Rob, Tyler King, Denver um, What's it like uh, coming to take over a room where – both the starters left the transfer portal. Does it kind of give you a clean slate as a coach to just kind of evaluate the talent that you have and there's no set starters? It's kind of all the guys in the room have a shot to, to earn their role? I think anytime you enter a room, regardless of who's in that room as a new coach, you kind of have to provide that opportunity. If not, you lose credibility of a coach. You know, as a coach, you know, uh, everybody wants to believe they have a fair shot. And uh, one year to the next year doesn't guarantee that you're going to have an opportunity to start. So regardless of who was in the room, you know what I mean, that was going to be my approach either way. But I want to focus on the men that are in the room, you know, more so than the guys that are not because those are the guys that we're going to go to battle with. Those are the guys that we're going to win football games with. And Brian mentioned some of the guys you have coming back. Um, but what's your take on a guy like Nico Reed? Obviously, Coach Terrell has spoke highly of him toward the end of last year, and you've seen some of the plays that he can make not just as – cornerback, but in the return game as well. Definitely. Electric athlete, you know, that has a lot of room to grow his game that we're excited about. I'm excited to get an opportunity to just see him move around, see him compete. You know, both he and Kalen have some experience, you know, on the football field, so that's always good because the only way you get good at football is actually playing football. So, you know, I think what, what sometimes gets overlooked and may not know but from the outside is that they're both very bright individuals. You know, very good in the classroom. So I believe that a smarter football player is a better football player. So I'm excited once we get football school going, you know, really dig into the details of the of the position, <clears throat> excuse me, and really get to know their personality a little bit more, you know, because you really learn the personality, you know, once there comes a little bit of adversity, you know, a little bit of resistance. So, you know, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but those young men are exceptional people that I'm excited to work with. Thanks, Coach. We'll see Dave. Anything on the Zoom for Coach Chance? Uh, no one has asked in the chat. Anybody have something for Coach Chance? Thank you. You're clear, Coach. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for putting up with me on New Year's Eve when we thought my house was burning down. <laughs> yeah, that was oh, it's good to see your face. So definitely, definitely uh, did a chance to see that, man. Hopefully all the family is right and hopefully everybody has been affected, you know, by those fires. My prayers are with them and, you know, looking forward to rebuilding and kind of pushing forward on some new stuff. Well, I've lucked out. It's Coach Smith that really took it hard. Hey, he's got a positive attitude. You would know it if you speak to him. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, Coach. Hey, Coach Soto, you ready? Yeah. Next up, guys, on Zoom is defensive line coach Vic Soto. And a reminder that after the apostrophe, the O is not capitalized, so it's S O apostrophe O T R. Yeah. Doesn't it say an Akina? Is it an apostrophe or an Akina? Is that the, isn't it a letter? It's an apostrophe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Questions for Coach? Hey, Coach. Brian Howell from Bola Daily Camera. Um, 
just like everybody else, kind of talk about you know, your process getting here and, and you know what it's like just being on the other side of a, a different Pac-12 school, one that you've competed against. Yeah, um, I mean, my my process was was you know kind of hectic. There's there schools calling and. Um, I think what stood out to me about Colorado was first Chris Wilson being able to work with him and um, his reputation and, and not only his reputation but the type of defense that we run here. So as a defensive line coach or in my career I've had to play between three and four down fronts right and um, for a defensive lineman that makes it you know pretty difficult to even plan practice of what are we planning on are we doing more three down or four down. Um, but being able to be in this system where it's primarily four down, where we're getting vertical and getting after the quarterback and getting in the backfield is something that really excited me. Um, and then secondly, uh, the people in my room, right? I, we have some really good players here that I think uh, can achieve whatever they want to achieve in this league. And what I've seen these past two years in this league is that if you you know, control the front, if you control the offensive line and defensive line, I think you have a great shot of winning. So uh, first and foremost, you know, that's what stood out to me with Colorado. And and then Coach Durrell actually recruited me out of high school. Um, he chose two other guys. I, I kind of poked him, you know, a little bit. He chose two other guys. But it's come full circle. And now, you know, I get to learn from a guy that I've known, well, knew a long time ago. So really excited. Hey, Vic, Justin Guerrero with CU Sports Nation. Good to, uh, good to meet you. Just following up with, uh, with Coach Wilson, I'm curious what your relationship with him was uh, just as you went through the, the hiring process here at Colorado and just what you knew knew of him, his coaching philosophy uh, before that. And I asked him the same question as he was sitting down here a couple minutes ago, but what benefit do you think there is to, to your room, uh, not only having you as, as an instructor, a teacher, but also him too, someone who is a very experienced D-line coach, uh, being a guy who's able to kind of keep a finger, keep his finger on the pulse of that room. Right. So uh, the first part, um, I think we met a while ago when I was at Virginia, you know, and, and, and he was uh, with the Eagles. And then beyond that, just, you know, a reputation. A lot of coaches have reputations. When you're a defensive line coach, especially a young one, you want to study different coordinators, different, you know, from the NFL down to college, down to high school, even there's some really good high school coaches out there. But uh, my experience in, in, um, with him in this process was I knew who he was, and then we knew similar people. Uh, and then we were talking, you know, from that point on, right? And then as far as uh, defensive line uh, with Coach Wilson, I had something similar last year with, um, CJ Ayu, who's now the defensive line coach at Nevada, where we could bounce ideas off of each other, and I thought it was like, you know, the best ever. And now to come here with someone with even more experience and is actually calling the plays, I think is, you know, invaluable. It's it's something that, um, you know, I really look forward to to exploring how we can make this place, you know, the best it can be. Hi, Coach Adam Lizard Tiger from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Curious, what are some of the key things you learned during those previous Power Five defense line coaching stops at Virginia and USC that you bring with you here to Colorado? Uh, it's kind of reinforced uh, my just core philosophy of being violent. Like, you need a defensive line that's violent and physical. And if you have a physical, violent defensive line, then 
you know, everything else can kind of take care of itself. Like Coach Chance, I was just up here, could just go hang out, you know, and, and uh, you know, catch punt balls, you know, from the quarterback. But, uh, you know, being on the East, East Coast with Virginia and, and being in the ACC and winning the Coastal and, you know, going and playing in the AC Championship, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, and you look at the NFL right now, the guys uh, that are playing in the, in the Super Bowl, you know, if you look at their fronts and, and what their fronts can do, uh, you know, it's pretty simple that they're going to have success. So uh, my experience, one, playing in the NFL um, as an outside linebacker for six different teams, then being in, you know, the ACC, now in the Pac-12, uh, with two different teams in the Pac-12, it's, it's the same thing, right? Uh, we're going to be built on a violent physical nature, we're going to establish the violent physical nature of football, and um, we're going to have a violent mindset. And um, from there, you know, it gets really simple when you start knocking the guy back that's in front of you. Coach, you came from a, you know, a place of probably the most high-profile uh, school in the Pac-12, a national brand, uh, and now you come here, a program that's been down a little bit. You know, how different is the recruiting here and trying to attract guys to Colorado as opposed to a USA? I think it's the same, you know. I think uh, uh, recruiting at SC and recruiting here, it's going to come down to relationships. I think it's really, you know, these high school kids nowadays, uh, with the name, image, and likeness, and everything. Um, you know, at the end of the day, are they going to play and are they going to produce? So you look at opportunities, right, versus NIL deals, and. Um, I think that's what we're seeing with the transfer portal. There's kids that have gone into college as the number one guy and didn't play. And now they're in the portal because they want to play. So for me, recruiting is always going to be the same regardless of where I'm at. It's building great relationships and letting them know that they have a real opportunity. You know, I don't care if there's a walk-on that comes in and, and is better than the guys in the room that we have. They're going to play. And that's my promise and, and uh, my gift to them is – a real opportunity to come in here and play at the University of Colorado. All right, that's it for the room. Dave, anything on the Zoom for Coach? Yes, we have Neil Welch from our own cubuffs.com. Coach? Hey, Coach, just a quick question about recruiting. Uh, successful teams on the West Coast, especially uh, Washington, Oregon, USC, Utah, uh, BYU, have done a great job in recruiting within the Polynesian community. Is it important for Colorado to get to get into that realm and make sure that they're uh, touching, keeping in touch with that community on a, on a regular basis? Absolutely, uh, but I wouldn't, you know, just put it just to the Polynesian community. I think one thing that's really cool about this place is, you know, the Polynesian heritage that is here with Sal Anissa. You got, uh, you know, Oakland Sun that's here now, uh, Salavea and. Uh, guys that I knew because of who they were and where I grew up. So I grew up in Oceanside, born and raised, and, and I knew those names, and I knew Colorado because of those names. And so as we talk about recruiting and, and recruiting the Polynesian you know, people, it's, it's more about uh, fit, uh, obviously fit, and making sure they're, they're good enough players to be a Colorado Buffalo, but then... Um, showing them that there have been players that have come before them that have kind of, you know, blazed the trail for them to be successful here. And it's something that I'm passionate about. Um, 
but again, when it comes to recruiting, it's who's the best. I, I, I you know, it could be you know someone down in Alabama, someone in New York, or you know someone in Samoa. It's it's going to come down to fit and and you know who can come in here and make an impact. I, I'd forgotten that you were from Oceanside, so that you do have that that going clear back to Sal and that, those days. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll throw this one at you, Coach. They were talking on the Pac-12 Network today that they felt the uh, Pac-12 was starting to win back California. What was the period there why you think so many were leaving California to go back east? I don't know. You know, I, I think you'd have to ask those kids. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Anything else for Coach? Great. Well, thanks for taking time out to join us today. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you.